When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Well, hello there, Brace Country. This is The Front Porch, and we are off Leo's rocker. With me is, as usual, senior writer Fred Owens. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Here we are on the, the porch grousing about the fact that the 14-game streak is now over. The Braves lost this afternoon one to nothing. They gave it a chance in the ninth inning with the bases loaded and two outs, but just couldn't get that last hit to push any runs across. No and surprise. Was, yeah, the, <laughs> you knew it was going to happen sooner or later, but uh, I admit I'm a little surprised it came against the Cubs and it gets this first game against the Cubs. And after the Cubs had lost 10 games in a row themselves and had gotten beat up like crazy against the Yankees and, and the Padres especially. So the fact that all this is, has happened is, you know, good reason not to be a betting man on baseball. That's for sure. Yeah. Baseball is a horrible thing to bet on. That's, that's, you know, I, there's almost anything else, anything in the world I'd really bet on the baseball this afternoon. The, there's positives to this afternoon. Charlie pitched a Sterling games. He went seven, seven strong innings. He struck out a boatload of people. The curveball was dipping and diving on him. His changeup wasn't quite quite as good, but that curveball was everywhere. Uh, he was buzzing that fastball by him and confusing those kids on the uh, kids really on the Cubs team. <laughs> they just really had no idea what was coming next. So he just he all he confused all of them, including um, Big Brother Contreras, who um, did you if you you weren't able to watch the game, but uh, Big Brother Contreras got a bloop double down the line. Started to go to side, he got hit a double, sorry, he hit a double to left field, and caromed off the wall right to Duvall, who turned around through a rocket to second base. And William had to throw down the anchor, and I mean, Wilson had to throw down the anchor and scurry back to first base. And Willie, the kid, was in the dugout laughing at his brother when that happened, which was, I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear. I, you know, I, I was paying attention on the, uh, ESPN GameCast site, but uh, unfortunately where I at and where I'm working, I cannot get a video, darn it. But uh, I did notice that uh, Charlie had struck out like seven out of the first uh, ten batters he faced through the first three innings. I think he ended up with nine-ish, nine ish yeah. nine for the game, uh, and that's a great sign. That that must that was definitely his best game of the year. And then it's a shame that they couldn't give him any offense to support that. But uh, apparently uh, the Braves ran into something today pitching for the Cubs that uh, they weren't expecting. And that's, you know, that's kind of been the mantra of this year is when they run into good pitching, the offense almost effectively shuts down. I think they struck out 12 times themselves on the day and that, um, yeah, it isn't conducive to a lot of run scoring. It's effectively what they have been doing a lot in the first part of the season. But what I'm hoping though is that they'll just shake this off, say, okay, the pressure's off now. The, the, the 
streak is over, but we can start another streak again. It does mean that their advance on trying to get back in towards first place has uh, paused for a bit. The Mets right now, as I speak, are leading the Marlins in the sixth inning three to one. So there's a chance they could end up losing a full game to go back to five and a half back in the standings. The Phillies, for their part, in the bottom of the six are tied with the Nationals right now of all teams, three to three in Washington. Yeah, I was going to say that I was going to say that the, the Nationals. Uh, they're the kind of team they, they got some of them players on there. When they d- decide they can actually do something, they're going to come back and they can do something and hurt you. Uh, it's just a question of the Mets shut them down. The what hurt the Braves this afternoon was the wind was blowing in from Wrigley at Wrigley and, um, Olsen hit a shot and, and Ronnie hit a shot that would have been out of every ballpark in the league, but not when the wind's blowing in at Wrigley and anything up in the air. Uh, if Jason Hayward would make a catch, on a pop fly down the right field line, he slid to make the catch, and by the time he got to where the ball was supposed to be, the wind had blown it six feet farther away from him. <laughs> and he looked like a fool on that, but that was purely the wind doing it. And uh, it, so the wind hurt them more because they rely on the home run, and when yeah. you don't get the home run, uh, right, uh, Ronnie hit one the last one. He hit the dead center field, and he was sure it was gone. Center fielder caught it on the warning, short of the warning track, and Ronnie just shoved, uh, slung his arm and said, well, I don't believe that. And went to the dugout, um, and that's probably that's probably not just not exactly what he said, but 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 you could see he was frustrated with that. Either they either go to the Lake Michigan or they land on the warning track. Um, yep. And 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 the other thing bothered me. I I know you didn't see the game, but uh, there was a an at bat for Ronnie later in the game where the first pitch was in a little bit on him, and he backed him off the plate. And the next pitch was on outer half, but it was knee high. And it was a strict, and I said, oh, that's going to go. And he just stood out and looked at it. And it was 95, basically above the knees on over the plate. He looked at it, and then swung at a pitch above his letters and struck out. And I, I, he, he spit on that fastball and then swung at that ball that was up around his eyes. And I just, I don't understand that. I mean, he's all, he's been on that fastball in the zone all, I mean, I suspect his average on that ball's 400, 385 on that pitch. And he just looked at it like he didn't see it. So maybe it was daytime baseball, in which case he's got a problem because tomorrow, next two days are daytime baseball. Uh, but, uh, it was just, I almost, I couldn't believe it. I did a double take when I saw it. Uh, but I, the wind hurt us more than, more than anything else. All home run boppers couldn't bop. Yeah. And that explains the one nothing final, obviously. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Acuna. And, and how he's reacting there. You know, he hasn't seemed like himself the last three or four games. Uh, it's, it's like he, he was going gangbusters in the first several games of the streak, but last uh, few days, not so much and a lot, a lot more strikeouts, a lot of offers. I think he had an over six game in, in one of those blowouts, but, uh, what's going on with him? Do you, do you see anything obvious? Well, I agree with you that he doesn't look he doesn't look as happy as he did when he first came back and he was hitting everything. And I sort of wonder if maybe he's not a hundred percent. And mm-hmm. I, I say that because it just, I mean, he's catching the balls and when he, he sprints, he's, he's good. I just got the feeling that I don't know. I mean, I hate to hate to sit back here and diagnose something that's probably not true, but it just looks to me like he's, he, he's just not, he had a ball, he had a ground ball, I, don't, I think it was in this game. He had a ground ball in this game, and okay, he was going to be out at first, but it wasn't. 
it would have been a lot closer if he'd actually beat it down the line. And I'm not saying he should, that was bad for him not to run it out because every player does that. But in, in the past, he would have. And, and it, it, it wasn't, it was one of those balls like, at, at, as soon as he came back this year, it was one of those balls that he would have tore down that line because it was deep enough that he might have had a chance to at least make him force a good throw, and he just didn't. And I just didn't see that, mm. um, and I don't know what it is, but I, I feel it too. I, I, I can't If I knew what it was, they'd pay me more money than I'm making, so <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I know we have to have him going to, run, to, to fuel the lineup, and uh, I really wish – we weren't having to play Arcia every day, not because, not because he's not playing second base well, and he's had some hits and Ozzy wasn't hitting, but because when he's when he's in the lineup, it almost certainly means that that uh, Ronnie's got to play right field yeah. instead of DH, and uh, so it. I just think that the lineup's better um, when Ronnie gets a gets like two or three days of DHing a week. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, and lately he's been doing a lot of right field. Now, yesterday was day off, and I was kind of hoping that would um, give him a chance to reset. And maybe it did, given that he did scald the ball out to center field that uh, got knocked down. But, uh, I mean, still, that's the kind of thing we wanted to see is is the, him hitting the ball on a barrel and, and getting something for it. But uh, I guess – we're going to have to keep watching it and, and just see what happens this weekend. But yeah, that's, that's something that I've been concerned about a little bit for the same kind of reasons you're talking about is, yeah, is he a hundred percent? Does he have his legs under him? Really? Yeah. He got the hit he got, he got a hit right off the bat and they, they were all happy because it broke his little slump. It was just over the first base. They were shifted against him, which is dumb. Um, <laughs> and they shifted against him and he just blooped one over the, first baseman's head that the second baseman would have caught. And, you know, they were all happy and dug out about that. But he didn't look like, I mean, he hit the one to the track, hit a couple to the deep into the outfield. But but uh, I, I want to see him doing what he was doing, which is the line drives in the gap and you know, letting the home runs come. And it seems yeah. to me like he may be pressing. I, now that's, you know, don't scream at me because that's the way I see it. But and it's probably not true, but that's what it looks like at times. Gotcha. Well, for sure, other things, other aspects of this lineup, and especially the pitching, is still hanging in there really well. Yeah, bullpen kind of – I guess you have to say the bullpen let us down today because a leadoff walk is what ended up scoring the winning run. But, I mean, if you don't score two or three runs minimum – then anything can happen. So I'm I'm not here to blame the bullpen. I'm here to say the offense just couldn't do anything against the Cubs pitching today, and that's going to happen every now and then. And I don't expect it to happen all weekend for sure. We just need a, a day to again reset and, and get this team back going again. I think. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I I, I mean Thompson was good, uh, but uh, Davey Ross pulled him after five and a third. And, and we had their bullpen, and, and you know, uh, they 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 got a man on. Simmons bunted him over. He stole third, sacrifice fly, that scored. And I tweeted at the time that you know he doesn't have a team of world beaters, but they do basic baseball pretty good. Yep. And that's the you know they didn't think oh I got to go for the bunt down beautiful bump by Simba, 
uh, and then Bilar stole third. Uh, AJ was watching him, but he was going to steal anyway. Third, and then the sack fly brought in the run. And, you know, they won the game with that run, and it was well executed. And like you said, it was just, you know, Ozuna was back to being Ozuna. Uh, first pitch swinging with the, after he walks huh. a man and hits another one. Um, why he did that, I don't know. It seems to make Brian Jordan happy, but I don't know who else would be happy about that. But the lineup, lineup's been been good, and I don't think we can complain about one day. If it carries on for three days, then there'll be a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember that 13-game uh, streak to, that I researched about 1982 when they opened the season 13-0, and and then they lost the next five. So <laughs> you don't want to do that. No, definitely not when you've gotten yourself back in the race. But um, let's talk about something else, though, and you – Caught something today on MLB Network Radio with Alex Anthopoulos being interviewed that I thought was kind of intriguing, and let, let's let's get into that a little bit. Uh, first of all, set the scene and, and tell me what you heard. Well, uh, I, I I read it after the fact, but the the it was an interview on the front uh, front office show with Jim Bowden, and Bowden tweeted out after the interview. That Alex Anthopoulos said, even with Rosario and Soroka coming back, he might look at an arm, but he definitely wanted a left-handed bat for the lineup, and that was the quote for the lineup. And I I huh. looked at that and went, well, that's interesting. Uh, for the lineup, that means it's not a bench bat. We're not talking about Joe Old Guy here, um, and um, the. The whole thing that went over it was, what in my mind, was okay. So everybody, when they say that, you know, the, uh, your mind sort of runs to uh, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, left-handed bat, plays every day, uh, hitting 300, uh, getting on base, good. Uh, not hitting as many home runs, but, of course, he hits in the Grand Canyon out there. So uh, that's going to come along. Uh, uh, if you're wanting a guy who gets on base with a high OBP, then you're, you're talking about Benintendi. But I'm not sure that the uh, Royals are going to trade him. He's one of these guys that uh, Dayton Moore fell in love with, uh, traded for, and has fallen in love with uh, out there. And um, so I'm not sure they're going to trade him, which which made me sort of jump out and look out, look for who else it could be. And and at about that time, I looked up, and Ian Happ was batting for the Cubs. And I thought, there's a left-handed bat and a right-handed bat. How, how fortuitous. <laughs> I wonder what he can cost us. Uh, so that, that's been beating around in my brain is, you know, is half the guy, are we looking at Ben Gamble from Pittsburgh, um, Tyler Naquin from Cincinnati, uh, you brought up, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, somebody like Tapia, who I don't, I don't know why Tapia's name comes into this. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to hit a lot. Uh, but, you know, guys like that left-handed bats that on teams that aren't going anywhere and, uh, that they would like to move, uh, like Naquin. I'm not sure the Cubs want to move half that easily, but I'm I'm pretty sure they would because you know he's got a year and a half before free agency, but he'll he'll definitely test free agency. So makes makes sense to trade him if you can get something for him. I just think he'd be expensive. Yeah, and you were suggesting that other people are going to want him too, um, and of course I think it's going to be a seller's market uh, when we come up to July. But uh, yeah, right now. Ian Happ has got a 136 OPS plus. That's this just in. That's pretty good. And yeah. he's batting 282, seven homers, 31 ribeyes. Uh, he can even steal a few bases. So 
yeah, there's there's nothing not to like here. Uh, he's he's only on a one year deal right now, but he's still got you're right another uh, arbitration year available. So he's not a rental per se. Year and a half to go. So I I think he's going to be a little on the more expensive side. The question is, yeah, what it's going to take to get him. Uh, you go to guys like Tyler Naquin. He's a he's a rental from Cincinnati. And he's on a $4 million deal. I think the Reds would be very happy to relieve themselves of uh, the extra million and a half or so that he'll be due by the 1st of August. So, yeah, I, I I think that might be the easiest guy to get. Uh, Benintendi, I think I saw, was a, a effectively a rental. I think he's only got uh, this year to go. Yeah, three months, um, two and a half months, yeah. Yeah, so you would think he might be still available, even if uh, they have this uh, uh, bro love kind of thing going with uh, Kansas City uh, and and their front office. But um, I, I think any of those guys would be viable, certainly. And and then the question is, what do you want to give up, and what have the Braves got in order to try to make a deal like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, the Reds. Uh... The Reds can probably use just about anything. Uh, pitching wise, you you might get him for Yanoa. Maybe some, maybe less than that. It depends on that's, what they're actually after. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking it's probably a little less than that in the case of Naquin. That's probably not the case in the uh, in, in when we're talking about those other guys, though. No, no, uh, you're gonna you're gonna cough up somebody for uh, make your like Drew Water before uh, for Ian Howe. Um I tell you, there's another one out there. I don't know. That he's ever going to hit a lot, but um, I, you know the you were, the Blue Jays got Bradley Zimmer. I don't know. He's never really been what he was supposed to be, and mm. I just wonder wonder what what's wrong with him. But I I, I think that anybody they trade for, you made a point before we were on that uh, anybody we need to trade for somebody that's hitting, um, not somebody who we think we hope will hit. So that sort of kills the Zimmer thing. But I but Hap. Ben Gamble's having a good year with the Pirates. Um, he's he's been hitting really well for them all year. Uh, he's where the heck is he at? He's hitting two fifty three fifty three eighty six. He's not slugging a whole lot, but he's on base three fifty clip. He's hitting hitting two fifty six. He's got 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 a half got a handful of homers. Um, I don't know how how low do you want to go on the bat? How low? I don't know. Yeah, he's only got 140 at bats at this point. Uh, I, what do the legal leaders have right now? Well, let's say Ian Happ right now has 247. So that kind of tells you the kind of um, use that uh, the Pirates are making of Gamble. So you would think that they might let him go if uh, you give them the right incentive because they're not using him terribly much, really. Well, he's 31, and he's free agent at the end of the year, too, so. Yeah, so there, there's much more reasons uh, for them to get something of value for him, I guess. Uh, so at least there's some viable alternatives, it looks like. And, and yeah, I don't think – I mean, Anthopolis holds things really close to the vest, like state secret kind of close to the vest. And for him to let out something like that on an interview suggests to me that – uh, this is a definite that he's going to go after and that he may even have some real ideas about how he's going to get it accomplished. But um, at the same time, I, I continue to go back to the fact that with more playoff teams, you're going to have more guys uh, 
being sought for. And if you only got, say, you know, four or five left-handed bats that are viable in the marketplace, that still might be a tough um, purchase to make. But uh, that kind of dovetailed into something else that we were talking about earlier, and that's, you know, what do the Braves have available to trade with? And most outfits that do rankings of prospects do so at the beginning of the year. And that's it. They they don't bother to do mid midseason updates. Fangraphs has done that, and they have some interesting changes going on with uh, the Braves prospect list that they have put together. And I want to get into that a little bit because it, it may affect adversely, really, the Braves' ability to get something going uh, around the trade deadline, which I, I think I heard today was August 2nd at 6 p.m. or something like that. It's not going to be July 31st, but they're going to uh, move it around, as was put into the uh, CBA this year, uh, to help uh, accommodate some some teams and, and the schedule a little better. So in any case, August 2nd, and right now, uh, I'll just read off the top names in the uh, in this prospect list that Fangrass has right now. Michael Harris, number one. He is the top uh, 100 prospect in their eyes at number 36. He is the only brave prospect that's in the top 100. That right there is a, a uh, uh-oh kind of a moment for you. Second is Spencer Strider in the majors. Third, Vaughn Grissom. Uh, high A ball, Jared Schuster pitching for Mississippi in double A, Kyle Mueller at triple uh, A, Spencer Schwellenbeck starting pitcher, not listed as having a level right now at all. Is he hurt? I, I haven't He's on the injured this. list. He's on okay. the minor league injured list. That, that explains that exactly. Diego Benitez, third baseman. He's in the Dominican Summer League. He hasn't even gotten to the States yet. Bryce Elder. Triple uh, A and has been in the majors. Geraldo Quintero, shortstop, low A ball. Drew Waters. We had to get all the way back to the tenth spot to find Drew Waters. He's dropped that far in in the minds of these guys that uh, are evaluating at Fangraphs. He's a Triple A. Um, then you go from there. AJ Smith, Shaw. Shaw I can't say Shawver. Freddie Tarnock, Tucker Davidson, Ambro and. MBRS Tiberas, Alan Rangel, Andrew Hoffman, uh, and and so on down the list from there. So I'm wondering <laughs> what it is that uh, the Braves may have to sell because uh, right now it the cupboard's not bare, but uh, I think it's having the same kind of supply problems that we're seeing around the country on other products. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a very middle of the pack kind of uh, system right now. Uh, there's no, they're not really awful. But there's nobody down there once you get get past Michael Harris. There's not really anybody down there. I, I know everybody loves Schuster. Maybe he's something. But And, and, and I'm not saying that because I don't like Schuster. That's not, not not the point here. The point is that when you look at the pitchers in that in that list, let me get the list back up so I don't tell a lie because uh, I really, <laughs> really hate being being wrong on here. But when you look at this, uh, you know, Strider, Schuster's the third. Mueller, we've seen Kyle. Uh, I wish Kyle could find that, find his location, location, uh, uh, bone and push it and get it in place. Because if he could locate that fastball, he'd be, he'd be really well. And then you go, uh, G. Wes, uh, Schwellenbach, who, I'm, he was a two-way player, as I recall. Third baseman, starting pitcher, Bryce, uh, Bryce Elder. 
Shortstop center field, A.J. smith Shelver. Now, when he's a high school kid, they paid a lot to get him. Freddie Tarnock, he's a three or four starter at his ceiling. Tucker Davidson, we've seen Tuck Tuck. Uh, here he's 13, and they're putting t- uh, Tarnock as having a higher ceiling above him. That doesn't bode well for what they think of Tuck. Um, and then third baseman there, Alan Rangel, Andrew Hoffman, uh, and then you drop way down to Robier Salinas at a at high A. Brooks Wilson is there. Victor Vodnik, I know him. He's a reliever. Jesse Franklin down there. And then, you know, you get down to Darius Vines. Darius Vines is a good little pitcher. He's in double A right now, but he's 26. So that puts, that tells me they're looking sort of at a, well, he's a, they've ranked him 35 plus, but that's all, that's organizational depth. And, yeah, uh, er, and everybody, everybody below Cal Cooney or Cal Conley, who is an A-ball DH, mm-hmm. uh, is a, is a uh, 35 plus player. Uh, that's what, uh, Jocelyn de la Cruz, Vines, um, Austin Smith, and, Adam Shoemaker, all those guys are 35 plus players. That's org- organizational depth. You, you, there's just, you know, there's, there's, this is a meat and potatoes thing, but it isn't a steak. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned that, uh, you call this a middle of the pack kind of organization here. And I, I gotta say, I think you're being kind with that because, uh, really there's not, other than the guys who've already made the majors, I don't see a lot of guys who could make the majors. Maybe Schuster could, sure. Um, but I think Drew Waters would have if he was, uh, would have already done so if he was, uh, truly major league, uh, ready and capable. Uh, you mentioned Miller. Uh, you know, he had a brilliant outing at AAA, uh, I think last week or so. Uh, he, he does have 12 uh, strikeouts per nine at the AAA level and three walks per nine at, at that level as well. So uh, his ERA was is under three. So that that's actually pretty good. So there there's certainly signs of life there at least. But you know once you get past those guys, I mean I went to see the Mississippi Braves last week. I, I have seen the Mississippi Braves often uh, over the years. Uh, and I, I'd like to think I could recognize major leaguers when I see them. I saw Dansby when he was there. I saw Isaiah Albies when he was there. I saw Freddie Freeman and Jason Hayward both on the same team together. Those guys stand out. I didn't see a lot of that uh, happening last week. Uh, I did not see a lot of major league guys, if any, uh, when I, when I watched this guy's, uh, play, uh, Freddie Tarnock started. He started off pretty well, but, uh, faded, uh, as, as he went along. I, I kind of think that feels more like a relief pitcher, maybe long relief at, at best. I didn't see Jared Schuster, uh, pitch. I, that would have been nice, but, uh, you know, you can't have everything, but, I, I'm not seeing a lot of major league talent here, and that seems to be reflected a little bit in these rankings here, and and that makes me concerned about what the Braves are going to be able to do at the trade deadline. That's the whole point of this little uh, uh, rabbit trail that we're on here. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I I think okay, if you're going to be coldly honest, if you've got somebody you really want, if there's a player out there that you really want, then you're going to throw Drew Waters and whoever they want at them because. Yeah. Almost everybody down there is replaceable. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know who that is. I don't know. 
I wouldn't give up more than waters for half. I think that's pretty well a straight up thing that we talked about beforehand. You made that point that it's pretty well a straight up waters for half. Good luck. And, and cause waters is hitting like Hap did like four years ago, which is swinging a lot. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 Last year, um, they they told well when we did the did the thing with the ESPN. He said, "Well, you know, he could become uh, Starlin Marte. God bless him. I wish he would become Starlin Marte, <laughs> but I don't see that happening in the near future. And so it means, well, you, you trade him before his value goes completely down the drain. Uh, I, I, it's not that I don't like Waters. I always thought Waters would get up at about the same time as Pache, and Pache is playing for uh, Oakland. So there you have that." Another player we did we brute, we busted over here and didn't mention is Loriano. I said I read in the week that uh, the Marlins ran hard on Loriano, and certainly the Marlins have everything they need to get anybody they want. I don't I don't know that Oakland would trade him because they own him for like three and a half four years. So I, I don't see that there's an urgency to trade him there. The other thing that this popped into my head was we've got the draft coming up here at the All-Star break. Because the minor leagues are in the situation they're in, because there's no guy down there who's a starting guy, would you throw your chips in and, and select Kumar Rocker? Hmm. Boy, that that might be an interesting thing. I, I would have to say he's probably a risk, but at the same time, when I'm seeing the the pre-draft rankings and and mock drafts, I don't think anybody who's doing those, especially Baseball America, who knows what they're doing when they do a mock draft, they don't believe in the kid. Uh, and it looks like they think he might be a second rounder at best. Well, and, I, I I read something the other day, and I don't remember where it was at, or that you know the problem is that uh, we haven't seen his medicals. Okay. Yeah. And if if he's willing to release his medicals, his agent says he should be able to. So if he's willing to release <laughs> his medic, I mean, what are we going to get? They're 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 mocking us to a a high school lefty. Do you know what the success rate on a high school pitcher is? It's it's not <laughs> really great. And you know that Rocker can pitch on the big stage. Uh, we've we've hired pitchers with problems before who've come through everybody. Max Fried, <clears throat> um, and I I just wonder what the benefit is of saying, I ain't giving Kumar Rocker first-round money. I will draft this high school pitcher and hope that he becomes somebody uh, in five or six years. And instead of uh, having Rocker, who could probably be up in two or less, because uh, he's a fairly polished pitcher. Everybody said last year Rocker will be up before lighter because he's he's more polished pitcher. He may not have the ceiling. But but he he be up before lighter. Uh, so if you believe that last year, and he's healthy, why don't you believe that this year? And why don't you plug that gap that's coming up when we have these guys who are going to want big contracts and we're not going to give them to everybody? Now the Braves in the last few years, and of course this has a lot to do, I think, with the uh, sanctions that were put against them for international signings. But the Braves have been all over college players. And there's a couple of reasons you might want to do that. Number one is the fact that uh, they're not going to have as much leverage when they 
when it comes to negotiations, number one. Number two, they're going to help you fill out the organization and and replenish the organization. And number three is those who are really good are going to be closer to the majors, and this is a win-now team, obviously. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that again this year or not, but right now this draft is being characterized as a position player draft. Uh, I don't, and if you're going to get a pitcher, I don't think there's any pitcher that you would necessarily want to get that is going to be good for your organization that you can't get in the second round or yeah, later. That's right. So I, if, if it were me, I'd be going after a hitter and there's a couple in there. The one I've, sort of uh, gotten enamored with is coming out of James Madison. I can't remember his name now, but he's sort of has this uh, Aaron judge vibe. He's like six, five and, and got raw power and it, he excelled in the Cape Cod league, hit a bunch of home runs there. Uh, yeah. If you want a, a kid who can uh, have King Kong kind of power, that, that might be the one. I don't know if he's going to be available, but, at slot number 20, he might. And if, if he is, I'd, I'd probably want to go after him. But in any case, you, you don't go after the, the pitchers in that first round, in my mind, if you've got uh, better position players out there, especially when you can get a guy who's, you know, if you're still bent on getting pitchers, they'll all be there or most of them will be there when round number two comes around. Yeah, I agree with that, except, you know, uh, I was reading something on the history of the draft for, for another, another thing, uh, a couple of days ago. And when, when they first initiated the draft, all the teams, there were, there was a rush from college players to who it's, they had been drafting before to high school players. And they started drafting high school players. And then, uh, Bill James did a thing where he looked back on that and he said it's shock how it's amazing how shockingly bad those high school players turned out compared mm-hmm. to their college counterparts who were drafted. So MLB the the teams drifted away from high school and back to the college ranks. And then uh as the college ranks started to look a little thinner, they went back and started drafting high. So this I want telling you is this goes <laughs> back and forth. It does. And right now and right now uh there's if you take a pitcher now, he's a college pitcher in the first round, I guess. I I just pulled up the the pipeline draft draft thing, outfielder, outfielder, shortstop, catcher, third baseman, second baseman, outfielder, right-hand pitcher, Brock Porter, Orchard State, St. Mary's. Uh, he's the number 10 guy on their list and the first pitcher. Uh, normally, the pitchers are in one, two, three, four, six, seven. They're Dylan Lesko, Buffalo, above Buford, Georgia. Uh, he, I guess he's a high school guy. I don't know. And he's um, also injured. He's, he's had Tommy John. He's going to be one of those interesting guys because he could have been number one on the entire list. So at, at position 20, there may be a couple of guys. He's one of them that, uh, the Braves might consider, uh, you rehab him and then, uh, you've got a, you know, top five talent, uh, on your roster. Yeah. Is he, is he, is he, uh, more of a less of a risk than Rocker? I don't know exactly because the the other problem is that uh, some of these guys and the kid from Alabama is another one who who was injured uh, just have had. I mean, we're still suffering from Pre-lip. the COVID. Connor problem. Prelip. Connor, uh, yeah, no, he, Connor, he's a pitcher. Connor Prelip's listed as left-handed pitcher from Alabama. Yes, he's he's the other guy. Uh, there, there's 
still we're still suffering from the effects of the the COVID years, having limited the number of innings some of these guys have been throwing, and that uh, especially is going to be a problem with the high school kids because you just didn't see them until they became seniors, and yeah, you have one good year and then boom, you jump to the top of the draft. It seems so. Uh, it, it I. I don't know how to characterize the risk. Um, one thing I was going to say about the college versus high school thing is I, I talked to Brian Bridges once and he, uh, told me that, you know, once you get kids in college, you, you essentially know what they are. Um, but you have to project them if they're in high school because you, you, you see what you see and, and you kind of hope that they develop into something great. But, uh, uh, college kids are, are what they are, uh, once they get to age 22 or so. So there's not a lot of projection left there. So it is a coin toss sometimes, be, uh, trying to figure out where you're going to go, whether it's high school or, or, uh, or college and you have to just, you know, you have to really be good at your scouting, and that's that's why these guys uh, see hundreds of players every year and and travel all over the country because it's uh, it's not an exact science. Uh, but sometimes you're going to get them right, sometimes you're not. Yeah, I don't know anything about scouting. I wouldn't, you know, if a scout came up and slapped me, I probably wouldn't know who he was. But but if here, here's what I'm saying. I read everything I read. I listen to, you know, ESPN's got this guy and, and Pipeline, and I hear all of them talking. They all say the same thing. Well, it's a pretty nothing draft. It really is. You get past uh, Drew Jones and a couple of guys at the top. Once you get past that, they'll take anybody because the, the batters are much of a muchness. Uh, the pitchers probably don't deserve to go before, you know, unless you're really desperate for pitchers. They don't, like the Angels maybe, they uh, took 20 last time and then signed, and then signed 10 more as undrafted free agents. Uh, the, you don't really need to take them because if you don't take them in the first round, they'll be there in the second. And some of them will be there in the third. And so if you're, here's the point, here's what I'm thinking. We know what Kumar Rocker is. Yeah. And and I and again, I I'm not saying he's the right guy or not. All I'm saying is if I'm drafted at number twenty and you're telling me that I got a guy who could be in the major leagues in, in two years, or I have to I can draft a a, a high school pitcher, uh and high school pitchers eh, most of the guys we've got out there are high school pitchers. Uh, uh and uh who didn't quite make it. So we do we have time to, to fail with those guys and the, the whole draft of pitchers and trade for what you need thing works. If you have pitchers that other teams want and are willing to trade for. And so that's your point of we need to draft that bat, but I would never draft a guy who's only going to be a DH or a guy who's only a first baseman DH. And maybe you hope possibly he wouldn't embarrass himself in the corner outfield. I would want someone who I, uh, they, the combine thing was on today and they asked Dow Dowd and a couple other guys what they were looking for. So I want players that hit the ball line to line, line drives. I don't want anybody hitting big home runs now because they don't need to impress me with that. They need to show me they can control the bat, hit the ball line to line. Yes, that's what I want. I don't draw, you draft Judge because Judge is a consummate hitter. He is a, as well as a big brute of a man who can kill a baseball. But every big brute of a man who can kill a baseball isn't a good hitter. And so you run into that. They're saying that 
eh, there are good hitters in the lineup. Uh, yeah, probably a half a dozen of them you can interchange. Then are we really gaining anything at that point? And maybe you should look towards your international draft to pick up players who are going to be that guy at some point. I don't know. I'm not smart. No, I'm just I'm just asking the questions here, and I don't have answers. I wish I did. I'd make make more money. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you're going to try and make money as a scout, I don't know that that's the right place to go. Because <laughs> yeah. they have thankless jobs, unfortunately, and I, I think that's gonna that's part of it. Baseball America has Kumar Rocker listed as uh, 19th now. Uh, they in their prior list they had him at 35th, so he certainly at least come up in in their minds, and maybe that makes him viable uh, to somebody there in the the opening round again. So for all the reasons you're suggesting though, yeah, I th- anything that gets you less risk in the draft is probably a good thing. And that, that goes for pitchers and position players alike. So uh, it's going to be curious to see how the, the Braves go on that. The draft is what July 19th or something, 17th, 19th. I think yeah, it is. Hall of Fame, it's uh, all-star weekend. Yes. Ah, okay. So that, that, that's going to be interesting to see if, uh, as well as we get some more viewership, uh, that way, because that might uh, make it a little more of an event than it's been in the past. And I'd like to see that at least for the game. So, um, all that to say, so yeah, Alex Anthopoulos is going to get a left-handed bat somewhere along the way somehow. <laughs> and, uh, whether he, uh, gets one of those guys that we've named or, or somebody else, good questions, but I'm just kind of curious what the Braves are going to have to give up to, to get, uh, some guy. And, and as well, how they're going to use him. Cause, uh, you also raised that point about putting him or getting him for the lineup. That says to me that they don't think that um, there's a position on the field that's doing enough for them, I guess. And I'm, I am kind of curious which position they are intending to perhaps replace or, you know, do, do you make Ronnie the full-time DH and, and, and sit Ozuna to the bench uh, or, or or what? How do you go about that? I'm I'm going to be curious to to see how that works as well. So I I think that I think that's Duvall. Um, quite frankly, uh, Duvall had a hell of a week hitting Triple uh, A pitching, and yes, uh, and uh, I'm not taking anything against him because you got to hit the pitchers, you got to do them do what's right with them, but uh, he's still popping up an awful lot, and I I think that. You know, I think the internal metrics aren't good for Duvall. I don't have anything in front of me, but I think the internal metrics on Duvall are not good. And I think that um, they know that Rosario can be a slow starter, and they would like to have somebody they can play out in the outfield and not lose. Like they, I mean, when you play Heredia out there, yeah, okay, he's going to catch the ball. Uh, Heredia is an outfielder, good outfielder, not an all-star. He's going to catch the ball, but he's not going to hit a lot. And so you want guys on both corners who can hit. So if you're giving Ronnie a day at DH and you want to put Rosario in right field or left field and this and the new guy in right field, you can do that without having to worry about, well, I got a right-handed pitcher out there and, you know, uh, Duvall's got as much chance of hitting uh, Max Scherzer as I do. So um, maybe a lefty has a better chance against that. I kind of think that's where it at because I look around the lineup and I say, well, Olsen's not going there. 
Swanson's not going anywhere. Riley's not going anywhere. The catching duo are killing the killing people. Money Mikey's in center field. Ronnie's in the lineup. Ozuna's earning too much money to sit on the bench uh, until he just gets to the point where he becomes Dan Ugly. Uh, so I I think you know right now, depending on when Ronnie comes back uh, and if Arzia can can continue to hit at second base, which I have no confidence in at all. Uh, I hope he just stomps it in my in my face that I'm so wrong, and he's finally come into the guy. I know Snicker called him a dude. I'm not <laughs> sure that that's true, but uh, I mean, I don't have anything against him, but I just, he's not shown he can hit consistently over his time, and he's had chances. So that worries me a little bit. Ozzy wasn't hurt hitting when he was left. We don't know when he's going to come back. So you could see a, a uh, Cesar Hernandez uh, pick up. Uh, because you know what you're getting with Hernandez, and uh, you know he's got th- he's got thump. He's going to run into the ball. Uh, I'm, you know, and that's just arbitrary. I didn't pull that out anywhere. I'm just saying you're going to get maybe it's second base, but probably it's left field, and that's the only place I can see it. Yeah, that's that's probably about right. Because uh, I mean, you, you go through the lineup like you just did, and and you. Got it. You can come up with reasons not to get any of these guys replaced, but I mean, we lost the one of the few left-handed bats we got, such as he's been, and when Ozzy got hurt, he wasn't uh, doing that well from the left side. But either way, it's it's still a left-handed bat that uh, we we could use, and so that does make sense that he would pursue such a thing, and. Rosario aside, um, it sounds like he wants a couple of them going. So, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's and, the and view. Mm-hmm. Hernandez is a switch hitter. I mean, I just had to look that up because I wasn't sure, but I, I thought he was a switch hitter. So he's a switch hitter, um, and he's not killing the people and and, and play, playing for the Ganationals. He's got an 85 WRC plus and .4 war. Um you know, but but he and he hadn't had a home run this year, so which that means he's not found his groove yet. At the same time, he has a history of hitting home runs, uh, so I don't know. I mean, it just seems to me that they're not going to give up on Ozzy. They've got Gosselin, they've got Arcia, uh, push come to shove. They can stick Shoemaker out there and see if he can hit. Uh, I just I just don't know how they're going to do anything except how it's going to be anything except an infielder or about an outfielder rather. And if it's a guy like Ian Happ, he can play second base too. I mean, that's he's done it in his lifetime. I'm not sure how good he is. It probably not very, but he, they moved him to the outfield. <laughs> but 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 having said that, I mean, I, I just think it's we're out here throwing darts at a, at a dartboard that's moving on us, and so that makes it even harder to hit the target. But I, a left-handed bat, we'll look forward to that, and we'll fill the wind. We'll ignore everything John Hyman says. Well, I think it's about time to wrap this up and, and get out off the porch. As we've killed a bunch of time here, I'll give you an update uh, that Phillies have now tied the Nationals. They were two runs down in the eighth inning, but they've uh, now tied the game uh, at five. The Mets are killing the Marlins now. It's 10 to one. So it doesn't look like the, the Braves are going to stand pat. It looks like they'll lose that extra half game and have to try and see if they can, uh, Start doing a little better, but overall this month that's it's still fourteen and one for the the month of June, 
And the Mets have uh, certainly come back down to earth as they've been facing a tough schedule, but uh, there's still some games to go here. They, they've got uh, two more against the Cubs before things uh, get more interesting uh, with the Giants and Dodgers coming to Atlanta. And next week, it's the Mets continue to have a tough schedule all the way through. I think it's about July 2nd. They'll have the Astros coming up here shortly. They'll get the Marlins again and some other uh, tough teams. So there's still opportunities for the Braves to gain a bit in the NL East and take advantage of the schedule. And again, 15 games head-to-head still with the Mets. So uh, uh, all is not lost regardless. Uh, the, uh, the the team has obviously been playing better, and we're, we're looking to to see better things as, as we go in the next couple of weeks here still. Anything else that you got there before we get out of here, Fred? Yeah, I, I keep hearing that. This quick, I keep hearing that we got 15 games left for the Mets. I'm going to tell you, over time, head-to-head series tend to end up half and half. They tend to be 500. They end up be 500 series, and we have to beat the other teams more often than the Mets beat the other teams. That's what we've got to do. And right now, we've given a hell of a head start. We caught up five games off of them, or five or six games, six and a half games, and we caught we caught up on them. We're going to give them one back today, but this is going to be this kind of thing. And over the next period of time, we just have to hit, hope they hit another cold stretch. We hit a hot one at the same time. Because the head-to-head thing, that's going to be a 500 outcome. And if it's not, uh, it's, I, I just, I'll be terribly surprised. Other than that, have a good weekend. <laughs> we'll do our best. Although if the Mets keep falling apart, that'll help us too. <laughs> All for the Mets falling apart. Yes, there you go. Well, do us a favor and check out our writing on TomahawkTake.com. We'll try and see if we can give you something uh, of use to read about on the Atlanta Braves. But for now, this is Off Leo's Rocker. Fred and I thank you for hearing out these two grumpy old men. See you next time. This has been Off Leo's Rocker, a podcast presentation from TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media, Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, since, like the agents of the Impossible Mission Force, Minute Media has disavowed knowledge of us or anything that we're doing. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Comic Plotting, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other musical selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and hopefully you won't feel a draft when your team is streaking. We'll see you next time. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.